It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have you coming wherever you might be listening. It's Midday Madness time. So you call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. The number is one 736 736 That's the open line for the next couple of hours for you to dial. If there's something in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, jump on that open line, one 736 736 And we'll get you on. That's brought to us by Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. You can send through your texts as well on the 40 Winks Temper text machine. That number, 0433981116. But it's Talkback Radio, so I'd rather have a chat to you. Heaps to get to later in the program, so I'll read a heap of your texts out during the course of the show, but a bit to get to later on. Chris Anstey's going to join us to talk some basketball later. Annabelle Sutherland will talk to us about the... Australian women's T20 squad that's been announced. We'll talk about the men's squad as well that's been announced for India. I'm sure you've probably heard it, but the 18-man squad does pretty much include every spinner that was in contention to be a spinner in England. We're taking the lot because we don't really know who's going to be our main one. Um, Ashton Agar is in it, and we'll talk to his brother Wes Agar later on from the Adelaide Strikers. So a little bit of cricket coming later on, but if you're unaware, um, they're taking Ashton Agar, Nathan Lyon as expected, but also Todd Murphy and Mitch Swepson. Uh, and we've also got the part-timers like Travis Head, Manus Labashane and Steve Smith who can roll the arm over as well from one end a couple of times. So we'll talk some cricket a little bit later on. Been talking some footy, just been talking to Jules before I came on about some of the things that David King had to say yesterday. Um, King, he said that the importance of this next month of training is huge and we have, or I have got uh, people that I know that have been watching various training sessions and I think Melbourne is the premiership favourite to me. Melbourne or Brisbane? Kingy kind of convinced me yesterday that Richmond should be up there as well. I think they're ahead of Geelong in my reckoning. But apparently Melbourne was flying on the track today. Only a couple of their key guys not out there. So uh, Clayton Oliver wasn't there training today. Uh, Lockie Hunter and Ben Brown, I think a couple of the others that weren't on the track. But apparently they have hit the track in a more intense fashion, in a more intense um, and load style intensity than any of the other teams this week. So look out for Melbourne. That looks like they're ready to go. But one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Kingy talked yesterday about, well, Melbourne uh, with a premiership list added to by Brody Grundy and Lockie Hunter. Um, I think they are. The bookies have Geelong, the premiership favourite right now. And we discussed it a bit yesterday. Cats don't have Joel Selwood. And we've been singing his praises as a leader of men for a long, long time. Now, maybe all the parameters are in place that they won't lose that much with Joel Selwood in terms of his leadership because they still have guys like uh, Dangerfield and Tom Hawkins, uh, Mitch Duncan, etc. But you do see leadership voids quite often in major sporting organisations around the world. Uh, We saw it with South Africa and their cricket team that came to our shores this summer. They've lost a lot of their gun players and their leaders in the last decade and it's left a huge hole. So I think it might leave a huge hole for Geelong. Plus, uh, they've still got this situation, I think, where... Um, the passion, the drive to prove everyone wrong was 
a big driver for them last year. They did change it up as well last year, changed it up hugely with Chris Scott really realising he had to change his ways. And, yeah, look, to me, uh, well, here's David King yesterday, firstly, on the importance of the next month of training for AFL players. I do think that these this month or six-week block of football in terms of pre-season training is as critical as any to all these top-line players to not give their opposition an advantage through fitness or preparation. I've never seen a player miss December and January and come out and have a, 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 an outstanding All-Australian-type season. So Melbourne looked like they're ready to hit the track running uh, at the start of this pre-season and hit round one flying. So I think they are the premiership favourite, probably with Richmond, given their list has been added to by Toronto and Hopper. And I think Brisbane as well. I think they do obviously have a monkey to get off their back. Most disappointed team in the comp probably with what they've put together list-wise for no flag as a result. They've added Josh Dunkley and Jack Gunston. So if you want to talk some footy, um, I think the bookies have got it wrong with Geelong as a premiership favourite. But if you've got a thought on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the open line number. And the big spiking team was another... Interesting chat with Kingy yesterday. Who's going to be the big spiking team this year? I think St Kilda can do it. I think Port can do it. They both weren't that far away last year. They could actually do this year what Collingwood did last year and what Carlton did under Michael Voss last year. They changed things up, Carlton. And that's the other thing we were talking with David King about yesterday. If you're prepared to make the dramatic change like Geelong did, if you're prepared to make a dramatic change to your style like Carlton did with being quicker with their ball movement, quicker with their handball from stoppage, then you can change, I think, the perception in your own players' minds as to whether you're a contender or not because you feel like you're at the forefront of the modern tactics that can actually get you an advantage. Collingwood under Craig McRae, more attacking, all risk, took on those inside kicks, take-it-on mentality was a driver for them. I think the players all bought in, especially in close games. They felt they were the ones in close games that were going to get the job done. So... Yeah, I think the big spiking teams could be St Kilda or Port. St Kilda, 11 wins, 11 losses last season. 10th, not far away. And a new coach in Ross Lyon. And I was just talking to Jules off air. Ross Lyon is arguably the greatest coach of all time without a flag. Stats say he's the greatest without a flag. No one else in AFL, VFL history has coached as many games as Ross Lyon and into as many grand finals as Ross Lyon. So there's a lot of coaches that have coached teams for a lot of games, but not coached many grand finals. Coached one grand final. Ross Lyons coached teams to four. Brad Scott's also in this list. And Brad Scott, obviously, second club now. Ken Hinckley, he's in rare air right now. One club as a coach, 202 games, no grand finals, and only 10 finals. Normally, you just don't last at one club like Ken Hinckley has lasted at Port Adelaide. And Mark Bickley weighed into this on SENSA as well when he said this about Ken Hinckley yesterday. So I think Port Adelaide will play finals this year. That's my expectation. What I think is going to be really interesting is, is finals enough for Ken Hinckley? You know, there is a there there does become or have a time frame for a coach and he's been there a decade yeah. and coming up. So but I know whether it's fair or unfair, there are some supporters who think that Ken has had his time and hasn't been able to take that team to the grand final. So for me, in, in my head, I, I probably think it's going to have to be in the top half of the eight for, for Ken to really satisfy a lot of the supporters. So they'll be hit on Ken Hinckley. We know that no AFL coach 
has coached more AFL games at one club without a grand final than Ken Hinckley. And if you count total finals, uh, he's also an outrider in AFL history on that. When it comes to the list, I'll just read you the list while we're going there. Um, so Rodney Ead, three clubs, Sydney Bulldogs, Gold Coast, 377 games, no flags, one grand final. John Northey, another of the high on the list non-premiership coaches. John Northey, four clubs, 315 games, no flags, one grand final. And these are all guys with grand finals. Ken Hinckley hasn't got one. Brad Scott hasn't got one. Ross Lyon is third on the list. Two clubs, St Kilda Fremantle, 305 games, no flags, four grand finals, but 20 finals, Ross Lyon. So he gets teams into finals. And that's the other bit that makes him the greatest non-premiership coach in probably history. Bob Rose, three clubs, 282 games, no flags, three grand finals. Uh, Bill Stephen, two clubs, but really only one club, Fitzroy mainly, 258 games, no flags, no grand finals. Terry Wallace is the other one on that list, 247 games, two clubs, Bulldogs and Richmond, uh, no flags, no grand finals for player, just the seven finals in total. And you've got some other guys on that no flag list with one grand final. Gary Ayres, 223 games, one grand final, no flags. Neil Danaher, 223 games, no flags, and one grand final for Neil Danaher as well. So that's where Brad Scott is at. I mean, he's at that 223-game mark this year. Uh, 211 games for Brad Scott, no grand finals, and eight finals. Ken Hinckley, 202 games, no grand finals, and 10 finals. So that's where we're at with the coaching situation right now with a couple of those guys who are high on the list, great coaches perhaps, but haven't got a flag yet. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to have a chat, jump on the open line. Got a few Dwayne's World t-shirts to give away in the opening hour as well. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Or the text machine oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen for temper and forty wings. Consumers' choice winner: temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. We'll also have a bit of a chat later on about this boo or not to boo debate in Australian sport, which is about to re-emerge with a threat by Australian tennis chief Craig Tiley. Not saying that you'll get kicked out of your boo, but he said that the fans' behaviour toward Novak Djokovic will be watched. And if behaviour is disrespectful and ruins the enjoyment for other fans, I think his quote was, boom, they're out. So there you go. Be respectful. I think his other quote was, we will kick them out if they're not respectful. So is the boo okay or not? That's going to rear its head as well. Tony and Q, you're first on the line. Welcome to you, Tony, as we head to the calls. Great to have you, Tony, and hold the line after this call. We've got a Dwayne's World T-shirt for you for kicking us off today. G'day, Dwayne. What are your thoughts? Uh, sorry about that, Dwayne. Um, yeah, just on the, uh, the topic that you're on at the moment about teams where they'll finish in the top eight, etc., especially Melbourne. Um, it was interesting to know that uh, SEN Breakfast guru Simon O'Connell um, <laughs> reckons that Melbourne will finish in the, uh, the bottom eight. Um, I think it's along the lines of they have an inadequate forward line, which you may agree with or you may not. But uh, just interesting that Simon has kicked off the discussion regarding Melbourne and uh, has them uh, bombing out down the bottom of the uh, top eight. So do you, but I think Max Gorn will push forward more. So doesn't that help him out? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, I don't think you'll see the same Melbourne team front up this year as what they did previous year. And Goodwin's obviously aware of whatever the deficiencies they had, particularly the forward line. 
So you're probably right. You know, Maxi may go down there, and to what extent he'll have an impact and give a bit of a chop out to the other forwards remains to be seen, obviously. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge addition. As Kingy and I were talking about yesterday, um, the fact that they've added Brody Grundy allows them to change something up. Now, is that going to be Max Gorn pushing forward more? Is it going to be Brody Grundy and Max Gorn almost changing out of the forward line? So all of a sudden, every back line that plays against Melbourne have an extra tool that they have to uh, counter. They have to work out a plan to stop it. So that all that throws up another variable that I think is going to cut whoever does play forward for them, and they've got a few options. Um, whoever does become their main key forward targets, even if it's their mobile forwards, which they've essentially been relying on the last couple of years, it'll cut them more slack because they might end up taking um, you know, a defender who is, is lower on the pecking order. So I think Melbourne, Melbourne is an intriguing one for me. I would have them premiership favourite right now with Brisbane and maybe Richmond just behind them ahead of Geelong. I think they have added the two guys, uh, Lockie Hunter as that extra wingman as well. And the ball movement from defence to attack is still a critical part of footy in 2022. That was the thing when footy was dragged down about eight or nine years ago, it was the transition that was lost to the game. Teams couldn't transition it from defence to attack freely with run because they were always stopped by the way teams were setting up defensively. Now that that's been overcome, the wingmen and those attacking defenders at half-back have become critical because the transition is now another key. Get it in, get it quick, get it in quickly. Hold the line, Tony. Great to have a chat to you. And uh, we've got a Dwayne's World T-shirt coming to you. Got a few of those to give away in the opening hour of the program today before we have a chat to Chris Anstey after the 1 o'clock news. Uh, Zakon in, in Ivanhoe. I hope I've got your name wrong, Zakon. Hello. I don't think we've got you there. Aaron in Broadmeadows. Welcome to you, Aaron. Are you on the line? Yes, I am. Uh, good afternoon, Dwayne. Great to have you, Aaron. Do you want to talk Melbourne victory? Yeah, I was just thinking, what happens if some South Melbourne or Melbourne Knights or even Adelaide United fans decide they want to do some damage to the victory and decide to go to the soccer wearing plain clothing and let off some flares? Um because according to the FFA, if um, any flares are let off at victory games, they're going to lose 10 points. They've, they've, they've set up a situation where anyone who doesn't like the Melbourne victory can go to a game, let off some flares, and can have the club lose 10 competition points. And I mean, yeah, how I are they going to prove that they're actually victory fans? I, well, Football Australia will be better than that. They won't just jump at a flare carrier. Um, they'll actually investigate who they are, who they barrack for, what games they've been to before. And they'll work out what state they're from, all that kind of stuff. They're, you won't be able to masquerade as another team's fan, go to the game because Melbourne Victory is about to knock you down the ladder by a spot and then pull a flare out thinking that Melbourne Victory are going to lose 10 points. What will happen is you'll be banned for life, Aaron. So yeah, that's the beauty of this, I think. It's not going to open up more craziness. I think it's going to stop the craziness. And I think the warning's out there. Oh, I don't see it as a worry at all, because I think the authorities are smarter than, you know, jumping at a shadow if it's an opposition fan trying to do something stupid. Do you, do you not trust the authorities to get it right? If you vary for the Melbourne Knights or you vary for the South Melbourne, you hate the A-League and you're never going to attend an A-League match. But mm. if you've got an opportunity to knock the Melbourne victory out and you absolutely yeah. hate um, the Melbourne victory because they knocked the Melbourne Knights out and they knocked South Melbourne out, yeah. Trust me, the South Melbourne fans don't care if they get like fans. They hate the A-League. They've, they've never accepted yeah. the A-League. They'll never support the A-League in a million years until they're in. So but they're not going to be... The FFA... 
Yeah, but they're not going to be stupid enough to think that they've never been to a victory game or supported victory ever before. We know who they are because they'll investigate deeply as to who these people are if they do come from another club. And if they come from another local club that, that hates Melbourne victory, then Melbourne victory won't lose 10 points. The FFA is not going to jump and be that stupid. They're not going to reward someone's stupidity by docking Melbourne 10 points. They're actually just going to ban this person for life and say, you'll never come into a game that we have again. And we might even have a situation where some of these fans end up getting banned from sport in general in Victoria. So I don't see it as a worry in my eyes. Aaron, I'm trusting authorities to be smart enough to do background checks on anyone that walks in carrying a flare or lights a flare and dealing with an individual as an individual if it's an individual that's trying to wreck the game. But there'd be South Melbourne and Melbourne Knights fans that aren't registered with the Melbourne Knights or South Melbourne. Yeah, but when we, when we arrest them, when we arrest them, support. when we arrest them, Aaron, don't you reckon we'll be able to find out who they are? What if they've never? What if they're not registered with South Melbourne or the Melbourne Knights? They still have a driver's license. They'll still have a driver's license, won't they? Aaron, you can check. They still have a face that you'll be able to check who this person is. What do you reckon? The police can't ever check who someone is when they pull them over because they're not registered as a fan of any you we, we've all got driver's license we've all got identification Aaron that police will be able to search and work out who you are and if you've never been to a Vic we can argue about this for an hour Aaron I think you I think you're crazy if you think that that's going to happen if you're a fan out there and you're with Aaron and you think you can jump at a Melbourne victory game go with with a flare and you can bring the whole of the Melbourne victory and football Australia organization down with your you know brilliant scheme um I think you better wise up because that's just stupidity to its highest form. Uh, Shane in North Fitzroy, welcome to you, Shane. Oh, g'day, Dwayne. Can I just say quickly before I raise my point about Craig Tiley that any Melbourne victory, any soccer supporter for that matter, that thinks it's great uh, support by bringing in flares and acting like basically a hooligan, uh, like an English... Uh, like the English supporters um, or whoever, the hardcore supporters from around the world, you're just a muppet. So just get on with go to the football because you want to watch the world game, not because you want to sit there and act like an idiot. But anyway, who, who, who would think that you just want to go to a sporting game and watch a game for the good of it? But anyway, um, <laughs> Craig Tiley. Now, just on that, Craig Tiley. Craig, here's a little yep. thing for you, mate. If I go to the tennis and I don't like Novak Djokovic because, for whatever reason, but mainly because he lied to customs officials, and that's a fact. That's a fact. He lied to customs officials to try to gain entry into the Well, I don't think he did. But he didn't. He didn't, did he? I don't think he did. He lied. No, no, mate, Google it. He lied to customs officials. That's a fact. For whatever reason... Uh, I can boo him at the tennis. I'm quite entitled to boo him. Now, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to slander him and, like, verbally abuse him, but if I want to boo, but I'm allowed to boo. Now, if that bothers the person next to me, then so be it. The person next to me might cheer him. Well, that bothers me. Are you going to kick them out? Right? So, Novak Djokovic, I don't like him, I'll boo him. And that goes for any, um, that goes for any sporting team. If I go to an Eston Hawthorne game and I'm a Hawthorne supporter, which I am, and I hate Eston with a passion, I'm going to boo them to the cows come home. What are you going to do about that? 
suck, suffering your jocks as supporters. See you, Dwayne. Thanks, Shane. That's Shane in North Fitzroy. Uh, he's outed himself as a booer at sport, and if he's sitting next to you, he's going to boo till the cows come home. Uh, there are some people that believe that they wouldn't dare boo at a sporting event because it's, uh, it's not the thing to do in Australia, but there are some who believe it's their right, and sometimes when authorities tell them not to boo, they believe that it's their thought that they might boo louder. And Shane's a Hawthorne supporter, and they... They do boo, um, Hawks supporters. They've booed some of the greats of the game over time. Um, Darren in Perth. Welcome to you, Darren. You've got a thought on David King's comments on Sam Walsh. Adam and Sunshine, John and Port Augusta, we are coming to you. Darren in Perth, welcome to you. Yeah, hi. How are you going, Dwayne? Good to Good, see you again. Yeah, uh, and to you. Heard t- um, yeah, thanks. Just a bit worried about Kingy, whether he's lost the plot or not. He said um, Sam Walsh is Carlton's most important player and Everything's going to go south this year, you know. That was his sort of comments, I felt. Anyway, remember Sam Walsh last, this time last year was injured as well with his syndesmosis injury. He was out for a week and it took him, well, a few weeks, took him a while to get back to his good form as well. So I'm not too, I'm not too worried. He, he got there in the end. We've got other players that can cover him. Like uh, Ed Kurnow's going to be back. He's older now, but, you know, he's a fill-in for that kind of spot. And as far as Kingy said, Sam Walsh is pinpoint precision into the forward line, etc. You know, that's not Sam's strong point. He hasn't... He's never been a pinpoint precision kick. I don't... You know, I love him to bits, but, you know, that's not his strong point. He's a great runner. He's a hard worker. He gets back, helps out defensively, but that's not his strong point. There's others that do it better. So I think we can cover him. He's a great player and he's going to be the future captain, no doubt. But, yeah, I think we can cover him. So will we... He, Kingy's quote, and I'll try and get uh, A-Rod to get the quote up on Carlton specifically, and um, Sam Walsh, my memory of it, in fact, I wrote it down on my notes yesterday, so my memory of it is that he said Carlton's not going far without a fit Sam Walsh in terms of their rise up the ladder. So if if Sam Walsh isn't fit, can you break into the eight, I suppose, is the issue. But you believe you could break into the eight and, and still win the flag even if he's not fit until round five or something? Oh, I don't. I don't think we can win the flag next year. I don't think that's going to be. I think. Yeah. I think top four, fifth, I'd be happy with. I think that's a realistic goal. But uh, um, there are other players that can cover for him. Like I thought, Doherty did well in the centre too. Whether they put him in the centre as yeah. well, he's another one that can play there. But I mean, Sam is a great runner and he helps out defensively. But you know, when we started dropping off at the end of the year, there Hewitt was injured. Um, you know, he, Sam was injured. There were a few others. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we've got some other young players. Like, it could be Paddy Dow's big year. I don't know. So we're going to need a surprise packet, no doubt, to help cover Sam. But um, I think it can be done. Yeah, there's enough yeah I agree there. with you, actually. I do agree with you, Darren. I don't think it is as reliant on Walsh as Kingy said yesterday. I, I think it's probably, if you're going to have someone who it's reliant on, I think Charlie Kerno is still the guy. I think Charlie Kerno um, probably needs to have that All-Australian kind of season for... Carlton to be able to be a flag contender but I think even if Sam Walsh missed the whole year uh, and you know heaven forbid that that doesn't happen but even if he missed the whole year I think Carlton still could make the eight but I agree that you don't I don't think you could win the flag necessarily it would be really tough to win the flag without him but it is going to be there's a few teams outside the eight like Carlton St Kilda and Port Adelaide who have all vined to knock one of the teams in the eight out and it is also hard to see how many teams inside the eight are going to be knocked out. Hey, Darren, great to have your call, though. And I, I do, I think 99%, I do agree with you. I don't think that it is over if Sam Walsh isn't fit for the start of the year, but it'd be nice to have him 
you know, fit and firing by mid-year at least. Adam and Sunshine, welcome to you, Adam. You there, Adam? Welcome to you. Yeah, you're on the air, Adam. Welcome to you. Good. Thank you. Well, first thing before I get going with what I want to speak about, Shane, I don't think it's good to boo people. It's good to boo. No problems booing decisions, but not people. I don't think that's right. But just on what I wanted to speak about, with the whole Melbourne victory stuff, I know a lot of local footy clubs who actually got penalised because of what fans have done, which I think is wrong. I mean, I know uh, there's two teams in our comp who who uh, lost points and also cop fines because fans that, even though the clubs proved they don't know who those supporters actually were, they were just random people, mm. caused a, a melee in, you know, over the fence and then all of a sudden the clubs, yeah. you know, cop a fine and lose points. I don't think that's right, to be honest, because like uh, one of the callers said, any random person can go in, cause a bit of trouble and then leave. I know that it'll get investigated before, you know, Dama Victory lose points, but... I think um, I think it's uh, we've got to look at the bigger picture here. There's a bit more we've got to look into. I don't just think it's straightforward as that. Um, what's stopping me from going to any rival club and, and causing trouble and you know making it look like uh, you know I'll follow one of those teams and then having the keyboard warriors on social media having a go at that that club even though they yeah. don't actually know what's going on. Yeah, I think it'll end up getting investigated to the point that we'll find out who that person is. He will be known or she will be known. We'll find out where um, their support of soccer is rooted, where they came from in terms of their support, what their reasoning is. I know it's harder at local level to be able to have that security parameter around people who come and come with a specific intention of causing trouble. But I'm of the belief that an A-League game now, if you take a flare or you cause some trouble in the crowd... The security will be on you that quickly and your identity will be known and the reasoning behind your stupidity will be known that quickly that the club won't be sanctioned, I think, at A-League level at least, even though I accept that it's still a worry at local level. I need to take a break, but I'm coming straight back to your calls. It's Midday Madness. You call, you get on. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the open line number. Got a couple of Dwayne's Worth t-shirts to give away still, so stick with me. It's Midday Madness. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Oh, I think it's all on Walsh. Oh, I think he's their most important player. I mean, I know they've got some assets up forward and they've got the Brownlow medalist, but this this guy separates games. He's he's the spark player that, that they need. He's the ball carrier. He's the beautiful kick going inside 50. It'll be critical how much football he misses and, and, and how he comes back. I mean, his first, his first two to three weeks, will, he'll be given some grace, but then... They're almost going to have to do a mini pre-season with him in season. So I guess we wait and see. But he's their most important player. They're not going far without a fit, healthy Sam Walsh. That was David King on the show yesterday. That's his actual words on Sam Walsh rather than me paraphrase them. He also said this. There was talk about Sam Mitchell. And I mentioned that he said that rebuilding coaches in general don't survive. Here's what King said about Sam Mitchell. I keep saying rebuilding coaches don't survive, Dwight. It's hard to it's hard to change my thoughts on that. This is this is a deep 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 cut. Um, so I'm I'm worried for Sam because I like Sam, but he's taking he's taking a huge gamble with his with his career, uh, savaging the list as they have. We've seen what North Melbourne have been left with after they did something similar a few years ago. So let's just let's just wait and see. 
David King on Sam Mitchell. one 300 the open line number. John, I know you're on the line. We'll come to you after a quick break for news. So take news for a couple of minutes. Come straight back to your calls. one 300 for more Midday Madness. Straight back to your calls and your texts. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. Uh, everyone boo Novak. There's quite a few that want Novak booed. Thanks for that. Uh, hi, Dwayne. Charlie and Mackay. More important to Carlton's chances than Walsh. Uh, there's midfield depth with Acres there. George from Blackie South. Thanks for that, George. Dees with May, Lever, Petty, Brayshaw, Langdon, Hutter, Petrarca, Oliver and Gorn. Half the team are stars. Without a strong forward line, they should play finals. Um, Grundy, Fritch, Cozzy, Harms looks good. Uh, but I... What's it saying here? But I do note forward line is weak. Okay, so you're acknowledging that it's a bit weak, but there's enough strength elsewhere, and I'm of that thought as well. Uh, and I think, you know, Fritz can have a 50-goal season. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are in that forward line that are clever, crafty forwards, even though they might not be, you know, your normal key forward. Uh, Cozzy Pickett, another one who can have a 50-goal season. Dwayne, um, uh, there are at least two changes to the eight every year. Who do you see dropping out, and who do you see replacing them? Ben in Adelaide. Well, I can, I can see St Kilda jumping in, and I can see Port Adelaide jumping in. They finished... Well, St Kilda, 11 wins, 11 losses last year. Port Adelaide, 10 wins, 12 losses. They've got Jason Horn francis They've got a fit Orazio Fantasia. So it is all there for Ken Hinckley to get the job done. There's a lot of pressure on Ken Hinckley, as I mentioned earlier. Um, he's coached the most games for one club in AFL history with no, no grand finals and no flags. So there is a bit of pressure on him as the outrider in that equation. Uh, Dogs top four. Giants will be the big mover. Watch them play like the Pies of 2022. Troy in Ballarat. Yeah, looking at the bookies, the way they're looking at it right now, and I mentioned they, they I think they've got Geelong as the premiership favourite wrong. Well, the bookies have the Giants as the fourth favourite for the Spoon. They've still got North Melbourne favourite for the Spoon. West Coast, Hawthorne, the Giants and Adelaide, uh, the major contenders. Uh, Dwayne, I didn't know our car licence said which soccer team we follow. Now, what your car licence does is it gives you name and address. And once they've got your name, they can look at your social media, they can find your background, find your history. Um, it's fairly easy once they know who you are for authorities to work out whether you are a Victory fan or just someone intent on causing trouble. And you should be uh, suspended for life as an individual and fined or dealt with by the police as an individual and no sanctions being handed down by Melbourne Victory uh, or even by the FFA to Melbourne Victory in terms of the 10-point deduction. So once they've got your name, they know who you are, they can do the background check. Um, that's why your licence, I think, is important. And that's why if you do bring a flare in, it's important that um, police and security do find out the person that brings the flare in and lights the flare. Uh, once upon a time, children were brought up to boo the perceived bad guy. Remember the Punch and Judy puppet shows? Um, he's behind you, boo. Uh, yeah, look, there's some pantomimes that don't get shown to kids anymore, and rightly so. So no one will be seeing Punch and Judy shows as kids anymore and think that it's okay to boo on that regard. But the booing is something that you know, parents, if you see your parent boo, well, I suppose you're going to be a booer too. Um, back to your calls. Michael and Carol on Springs, you want to talk Tom Mitchell and Collingwood. Welcome to you, Michael. How are you, Dwayne? Uh, just on Tom Mitchell. Um, he's really out there on the socials, and it's like he's got this sort of second win this this new lease of life and from all reports he's really stamping his stamping his ground for leadership there. I just want to know if he's gonna actually be the key um you know in that that inside sort of tough mid that um for us to take the next step that's sort of the question for you do you reckon he can sort of 
sort of be that 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 sort of missing link that we're 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 seeing. Well, Nick Dacos is going to get better, Michael. And I think what what kids need and what teams need is guys that are brought in to be bit part players like Tom Mitchell, who are really good at their craft, but you don't rely on them. No one's going to be relying on Tom Mitchell to win the Brownlow at Collingwood or to be top five in the BNF, I don't think. He just has to play his role, and that is sometimes taking a bit of the heat from the other midfielders, doing your job if a player goes down with injury. Um, are we expecting him to get 38 possessions every week? Well, it'd be nice if he does, but I don't think he needs to do that for Collingwood. Michael, I'm not seeing him as the, the guy that you're relying on to do that. I think there's more of a chance that some of the other guys grow with the opportunity to play with Tom Mitchell near them. I think I've lost you there. Hey, but appreciate your call. Um, John in Port Augusta, welcome to you, John. Thanks for holding for quite a while. Great to have you on the line. Yeah, no worries. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, um, just on um, Port Adelaide and Ken Hinkley, you know I'm a Ken Hinkley fan um, I'm, uh, because he gave the club credibility when I was on its knees. As the crows keep telling me, there are a basket case in 2010, 11, and 12, and whatever else. He gave it credibility. So, but, but I do agree with Mark Bickley, and I think for crows, man, he makes a lot of sense, Mark Bickley. So I look forward to him on SEN. <laughs> I think, um, I think it will, um, he's got to finish top four or five conservatively. He's been there a long time, as you well know. But you can only do so much. You've got any socks on, you can't pull them up. Um, yeah, so I'm a Ken Hinkley fan, but I think he's got to make the top four. Yeah, and whether that's going to be good enough, John, as well. I mean, top four, he's never coached a team. He never coached Port Adelaide into a grand final. So that's that's the issue. You could coach, you can get them into top four, yeah, but, you know, it's a club that prides itself on premierships and success, and the fans expect that. But the club, I think, has changed the perception of that a bit, and maybe started to let fans know that the AFL is different to the SANFL. It's an 18-team comp. Flags are hard to win. So I think you've probably got to have Geelong's mentality, and that is the belief that top four is good enough. If you're a contender top four year on, year in, year out, then sooner or later you probably will grab a flag, and that's what happened with Chris Scott this last year with Geelong. So, yeah, I, I think you'll survive, John, because I think Port Adelaide will make the eight. But it just depends on whether the fans can start to, you know, accept that after such a long period without a grand final, such a long period without, you know, any success when it comes to the old measurement at Port Adelaide, uh, whether he's going to go around another year because he is high on that list. I mean, Nathan Buckley, one club, 218 games coached, didn't survive. And he got Collingwood to a grand final. Ken Inkley's got 202 games, one club. Leon Cameron, one club. 184 games, got a team to a grand final. He didn't survive. So Ken Hinckley, you know, when it comes to that comparison, Nathan Buckley, one club, 218 games, one grand final, 12 finals. Leon Cameron, one club, 184 games, one grand final, 13 finals. Ken Hinckley, one club, 202 games, no grand finals, 10 finals. And, of course, you've got Brad Scott in that question as well because he's now at his second club, even though he was one club, 211 games, no grand finals, and eight finals. Take a break. Back to your calls. Andrew, Staffy, we'll come to you next. You're with Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. 
From a new cause, Andrew Nidri's been holding for a while. Welcome to you, Andrew. Good, good afternoon, Dwayne. Thanks for letting me on. Um, Dwayne, I think King is still on holiday mode. Um, he's um, He was very good up to the last comment about um, Walsh, about not going to go very far if you don't have a healthy Walsh, blah, blah, blah. But um, I think and some, I think one of your early callers of all Texas, George, put it nicely. Kuno and McKay, yeah, they, they kicked 109 goals between them last year. And without those players, I don't think Cullen can go very far. But midfielders are a dime a dozen. I think they can be replaced. And Walsh is, a, is an A-grade player, but I, I think it'd be very dangerous for any club to depend on one midfielder. Uh, 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 to, that, to that sort of extent, he's not a common. Yeah, I, look, I agree with you, but I, but also, you know, some midfielders are more important than others, and I think Sam Morsh in the in the advancement of Carlton in terms of becoming a team that missed the eight last year, by the way, and want to be the finals player and a grand final or premiership contender, he is going to be critical. But yeah, I agree. I mean, the key forwards, but I, maybe I'm more a key forward guy than King is. Maybe he's more of a get it out of the middle midfield kind of guy in terms of the importance that he puts on it. I appreciate your call, though, Andrew. Always good to have you on. Hi, Dwayne. Your thoughts on the Swans? Made the grand final last year. Uh, would they be burning to redeem themselves this year? Could be the last year under Buddy. That's from Susan. Yeah, I think it will be Buddy's last year. Um, but I wouldn't expect Buddy to play more than... Well, he might not play the full quota of games. And that's where I'm at with Geelong as well. I don't think Dangerfield, Paddy Dangerfield, Tom Hawkins, they're not 23-week four-quarter players. Um, in my eyes, I think they're going to get rests next year or this year. I think they're going to get um, you know opportunities to rest on the bench even a bit more in-game. They're still superstars. Like Buddy's still a superstar, don't get me wrong, but I think their management is going to be critical for them. Um, at what point do Melbourne Victory supporters sit back and understand their actions are only damaging the brand and reputation of the game? That's from Brent in Piranha. Look, 95% of Melbourne Victory supporters are obviously great sport fans and do the right thing. It's well, maybe 98%. So, you know, that's the thing. We have to make sure that we have a, a process in place where we can stop the 2% from ruining it for everyone else. And that's the, that's the essence of all this. Security has to be on it and make sure that if someone does bring a flare into the stadium that, and light it, then they're onto it. And if you see someone with a flare, are you prepared to dob them in? I mean, the fans are going to play a role here as well. Would you dob them in? one three hundred seven three six seven three six because that's probably the right thing to do, to be honest. We'll take a break. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World and for Midday Madness. A couple of texts that have come through. I'll head back to your calls after the one o'clock news. Dominic Team, I think he's going to join us after one o'clock. Chris Anstey is going to join us after one o'clock, but I will take more of your calls after one o'clock. We'll talk some NBL, some NBA, and Annabelle Sutherland as well to talk some cricket. And where's Agar to talk some cricket? So plenty still to come after the news. Uh, a couple of people sent me through their ladder. Brisbane, Richmond, Carlton, Melbourne, Sydney, Geelong, Collingwood, Port. Uh, thanks for that. Um, yeah, Geelong's going to be a very interesting watch, to be honest, to see how they do recover. There's sometimes a hole in leadership. Uh, is bigger than the hole on the field that a guy like Joel Selwood will leave. Uh, how does Bob Rose's record stand up uh, against some of those others? Well, Bob Rose coached a couple of clubs, uh, even though it was majority Collingwood. So, you know, Bob Rose was one of Collingwood's, you know, all-time greatest coaches. So in general, in terms of his 
His coaching record, 282 games, no flags, three grand finals, 14 finals. So Bob Rose, um, you know, to get to three grand finals and 14 finals in comparison to Brad Scott, no grand finals, eight finals, Ken Hinckley, no grand finals and 10 finals. That's how it stacks up. More after the one o'clock news. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Thanks for joining me, Mr. Dwayne's World. Thanks for joining me for Midday Madness. Heading back to you, Kostafi, you've been holding for a while. Dominic Team is about to join us, just walked off the court at Kuyong after a win, so we'll head to Dominic shortly. But, Staffy, thanks for holding. You've got a, a thought on the flares at soccer. Welcome to you. Yeah, have Dwayne. First time caller. Thank you for your, for your show. Um, Thank look, you. Look, I, I just, I just hark back to 1985, Bradford City. Uh, the fire in the stadium. It's it's just crazy that people bring in sensory devices to uh, public places. It just defies belief. But um, most of those people who were killed, and there was around 60 who were killed, and over 260 that were injured in that, it was the stampede uh, that occurred. It wasn't the actual fire that killed them. And these, these things happen so quickly. We see it all the time. Um, on the news, we saw it in Korea and New Year's, I think it was, where we just have a choke point or whatever else. People people get frightened and move, and we that's how serious it can get. It just it defies belief. Yes, yeah, Taffy. From memory, it was a cigarette that was the cause of the Bradford fire, Bradford City fire, in '85. Not a flare, but your point is well made. Oh, look, I'm not uh, doubting your overall point, which is a well made point given. I've got so many texts that have come through, like this one from Craig. What's the big deal with flares? I watch soccer all around the world. Every country has flares. So, you know, if you've got people that are prepared to go, I mean, let's face it, the default right now is if you go into a soccer game or any sporting event in Australia, don't take a flare. Let's just act on the, on the safe side. Um, you can believe that flares are safe if you'd like to, but let's be of the belief that flares are not good for Australian sport and families can get... Uh, a big amount of fear and might not never go to, ever go to your sport again if they go to an event and someone next to them lights a flare. So, you know, for the good of your sport, for the good of Australian sport, don't take a flare. I mean, surely that's just common sense from from here on, even if you think it's your right to do something that is being done at other soccer venues in other countries that have other rules and other history. Great to have you call, Staffy. Really appreciate you joining me. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. Um, uh, hello, Dwayne. The problem for the Swans in Geelong is that history says either grand final team really gets back to the grand final the following year, regardless of the result in the grand final. And some teams that get beaten badly in grand finals don't get straight back there either. And uh, it knocked Port Adelaide around for years when Port was demolished by Geelong, what, 2000 and whatever it was. So, yeah, it can, it can knock you around for a long, long period of time. Back to your calls and your text next, but... One of the superstars of world tennis has been good enough to join us, uh, Dominic Team, after just walking off the court with a win over, um, I think uh, he did have a win today, 7-6-6-2. Uh, he can tell me whether he had to win today or not, but I think he did. Dominic, welcome to you. Great to have you on the program. Thank you very much. Welcome. You had Francis Tiafo as your opponent today. Did you beat him in straight sets? Yeah. How'd you feel you went? Because you, you lost yesterday to Alex Dimon, or how'd you feel you were today? Uh, well, in general, um, uh, I was feeling good in, in both matches uh, yesterday and today because it was against two, 
two very good opponents, two of the best players of the world, and uh, that's exactly what I need, especially in the in the week before the first Grand Slam of the year. And uh, those two nice matches, even though I lost yesterday, it's okay. Um, but I'm happy with how everything went here at Koyong, and uh, it, it helped me to get more ready for, for next week. So you're a Grand Slam winner. I think you rose to number three in the world at one stage, but you're on your way back up again after an injury-riddled what, year and a half. How's your injuries? How's your wrist? My wrist is perfectly fine. Um, it was completely broken, but now it's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, it was a long way back, but I'm happy how I went through those uh, difficult moments. And uh, now it's, uh, it's like before, there is uh, no problem at all. I'm not thinking about it when I play tennis, and uh, it's how it should be. Was that a big hurdle to overcome, Dominic, given that the injury can fix itself, but you're worried that it's going to re-emerge is always sometimes in the back of a mind until you can overcome that hurdle? Yes, of course, especially um, it came... Like, I, I torn the, the wrist twice during a, during a tennis stroke, during a forehand. So it took a long time until I was able to, to, to hit full power again on the forehand. It was, a, it was tough because, um, obviously, in the beginning, I, I thought then whenever I'm, whenever I'm hitting a forehand, whenever I hit full power, that uh, the wrist is going to break again. And it was not, not a nice feeling and not easy at all to overcome it. But now already since many, many weeks, many months, it's, it's completely fine again. And your ranking has dropped quite a bit. So it's probably going to be a tough road for you when the Australian Open draw comes out? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, every, everybody can come, you know, like... Uh, Every opponent is possible in the first round, but that's the way it is. Uh, that's, that's how it is when, when, I, when you drop your ranking. Um, but I already did it once when, uh, when I was younger, obviously, to, to come from, from a very low ranking. So I'm trying to do it again. But obviously it's possible that some very strong opponents are waiting. And yet, even if you did face, well, you know, Alex Zverev, you played in the US Open final and beat him, and I think you've got an 8-3 record against him. So even some of the best in the world, if you did face them in the opening round, you'd probably back yourself, yourself to beat them. Is that the way you, you think your form is at the moment? Um, I, for me, uh, it, it's, I'm, I'm back in that shape or I'm back in the situation where, where I can at least compete with, with those guys. I, I can give them a lot of troubles. Um, to beat them, it's, it's still a different story, you know. It's, uh, everything has to come together. I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but the way I'm playing right now, the way um, I'm, I'm competing right now, I'm, I'm able to give them troubles. I'm able to give them a, a huge fight. And, uh, yeah, should I face uh, a real top star in the first round that, that's the goal. I'll, I'll walk on court. What did Alex Demonor do yesterday that uh, you couldn't quite overcome? How is he, our Aussie hope, going? Um, well, um, I the last time I played him was, if I'm not wrong, um, uh, in Davis Cup 2018, so more than four years ago. And uh, he, he improved a lot, obviously. Um, his, his shots are 
are way heavier, way tougher to handle. Um, his footwork is is from a different planet. He's so fast, obviously. Um, but he developed himself to an absolute world-class player. And, uh, yeah, that's why I can – or uh, anybody can lose to him at any day. He also was beating uh, Rafa at the, at the United Cup. So I guess that, that says everything. You, regardless of what you do at the Australian Open, Dominic, and we're talking to Dominic Teen, uh, Grand Slam winner in his own right, coming back from injury. Uh, regardless of what happens, Dominic, there is a bit of a change. You're part of this new wave of Grand Slam possible winners coming through. Roger Federer has obviously uh, departed the scene, and Rafael Nadal might not be long for the Grand Slam circuit as well. Novak's going to be around for a little while, but do you feel like your time is now? Um... Now, now, I, I don't think so. I have to wait. I have to work my my way, my way up again. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a new new wave coming on. Um, everything started uh, with with my win, I guess, at the the US Open 2020. Then Daniel Medvedev won the tournament a year later, and then Carlos Alcaraz last year. So three new faces in the in the Grand Slam winner circle and. Uh, well, my guess is that we will see many more in the next years. As, as you said, uh, Roger left the scene already. Um, Rafa and Novak, for me, they, they still can, or they still are the, the top contenders in the slams, but obviously not not forever. So, yeah, there is, there is uh, definitely new guys coming up, and the time is now, as, as we see, because... Carlos Alcaraz is now already a Grand Slam winner and he's also right now number one in the world. So that says it all. What do you make of uh, the slot of the Australian Open, Dominic? There was a story about it being the wrong time of year. How do you think it is coming to Australia? You're Austrian, so uh, how do you cope with the 38-degree heat? We sometimes get back-to-back days here in what's a pretty hard two-week slog at the Australian Open sometimes. Uh, well, it's uh, it's in general, it's it's a brutal, it's a brutal sport. You know, it's uh, brutal to to play a Grand Slam match or to play a Grand Slam tournament. It's two weeks, uh, probably probably one of the toughest sports out there, or one of the toughest challenges out there to to go deep in a Grand Slam to win a Grand Slam tournament. But uh, that's also the nice thing about it, the nice challenge about it, and the slot is good. Um, Obviously, it's also about the people, about the fans, and uh, we are in Australian summer. We are in the summer holidays, so they enjoy it, and it's it's a good slot. It's, it should stay there. You tend to get a lot of support as well from the Australian public and the European public who are in Australia and tend to love you, Dominic. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's great that the people, they, they love tennis here. They know a lot about tennis. It's probably their, their big highlight during the summer. And uh, for me as well, but not only for me, it's great to play here. It's great fun. You could, you could see it in, in Crillon here. It's Tuesday and Wednesday at 11 o'clock in the morning, and, and the uh, centre court is full. So um, that says it all. People love tennis here, and... Uh, also for us players, it's a, it's a joy. You just walked off the court, so I better get let you get going and, and warm down. What's your preparation going to be between now and whenever your first round match is? 
Um, well, I'll, I'll today um, I'll take it a little bit easy. It was was very hot, and then the next day's practice. Um, I guess the draw is coming out tomorrow, so I'll see against who I'm playing. Uh, right-handed, left-handed uh, type of type of game style, and uh, then I'll I'll schedule my practices and try to be perfectly prepared. Great to have a chat to you, Dominic. We'll let you get away and uh, do whatever you need to do to, to rest up. And I really appreciate you joining me on my program. Uh, thanks again. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Dominic Team joining us. Uh, former world number three. Slid down the rankings to the 90s, so won't be a seeded player at the Australian Open. But a Grand Slam winner beat Alex Zverev in the US Open final a couple of years ago so uh, he can put it together when he's fit and it sounds like he's fitter than he has been for a while great to have the availability of some of the stars from Kuyong and if you want to get down to Kuyong and catch some of the action uh, grab yourself a ticket it's been pretty popular and the sun is out and the weather's been fantastic we'll take a break you at Dwayne's World Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell Great to have Dominic Team joining us for a quick chat. Back to your calls, though. one 300 The open line open again, thanks to Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Chris Anstey's going to join us in around 15 minutes from now, so we'll have a chat to Chris about all things basketball. And we'll talk some, some cricket later on. Annabella Sutherland is going to join us. Uh, Wes Agar from the Adelaide Strikers as well. He's going to join us from the airport. So plenty to come. Keep your texts coming through. Uh, 0433981116 is the 40 Winks temper text. I do, I like reading your texts. Every now and then I get a really disturbing, it's uh, some texts I just can't read out. And uh, there's one text that I've received about um, the soccer or hooligan culture that I'm not even going to share with you. But wow, just reading that text uh, sends a shiver down my spine. Anyway, um, I read a couple of other texts that are a little bit uh, nicer. Dwayne, I agree, mate. Uh, Spikers, we port, and the Saints, Tigers for the flag. Uh, Tigers filled their only weakness with Hopper and Toronto acquisitions. Go Tigers. Matt from Albany. Um, and a couple of other texts about who they think will rise and fall next year. Great interview, Dwayne. Uh, enjoyed listening to Alex's team, um, to Dominic's team, and uh, Alex Deminor's interview yesterday was great as well. Uh, a lot of praise for Alex and the way he carries himself on the text um, here, supporting Alex and his push for the Australian Open and not so many supporting Nick. Um, one here from Pete yesterday. Dwayne, why would you ask Alex Deminor about Nick? Really, what were you expecting to hear? It became cringeworthy, so not everybody happy about my interview process. Uh, now Alex might think twice about return interviews. Um, look, I asked Alex Diminor yesterday what his thoughts are. I said, could you please humour me with one Nick Kyrgios question and uh, what kind of guy is Nick Kyrgios and what's he like to play team sport with? So uh, if you didn't hear it yesterday, here's what Alex Diminor had to say in relation to that question. And to me, he did seem very cold about their relationship, but you can read into it what you want to. Here's Alex Diminor from yesterday. Nick, well, we've uh, obviously known each other uh, a while. Uh, we've played uh, a lot of uh, team competitions together, and you know he's uh, he's been he's had an incredible year. So he's doing uh, some great stuff, and uh, I'm sure he's got a 
a big uh, another big season coming for him. And asked him whether Nick sent him a text about pulling out from the United Cup to allow him to do his prep on the opponent that he had to play at quick notice. He's Alex on that. Uh, yeah, look, uh, ultimately, I think uh, you just uh, the situations you, know, you just got to deal with them, and uh, that's some of the stuff that I'm working on myself personally to to be able to kind of adapt to to different types of situations and uh, and. You know, just another way I can, uh, another thing I can improve uh, on myself. A little bit of Alex on that. So I didn't go into all that much depth about the relationship with Nick, but you can read into that what you would like. Going to take a break. Head to news. Chris Anstey is going to join us very, very shortly. I'll read more of your texts out as well. Uh, banning supporters for life is laughable, as regulating the entry of banned supporters is not feasible unless face recognition technology is implemented. Uh, some of the Melbourne Victory culprits had already been banned for life yet were still able to enter the stadium. That's from J-Dog. Well, I think they would have the opportunity to be more strict with their regulations as to how you get in. Face screening technology is available. It's a big impost. It will slow the entry of fans, and it will cost a lot of money to put that in. But that's what you've got to do. That's what you've got to do. The belief is, hopefully amongst all of us, that it's such a small proportion of people they won't tend to come to any sporting events in Australia and do this kind of thing anymore. And we might be able to move, in from this, move on from this Melbourne Victory experience pretty quickly. And maybe Melbourne Victory, obviously, want to move on pretty quickly. We'll take a break. Some news. Chris Anstey next. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. He's one of our all-time greats. Love having Chris Anstey on, and he's on the line. He's got a pretty busy day. Got NBA legend Dirk Nowitzki in town. Basketball camps, a sportsman's night at the Timber Yard in Port Melbourne tomorrow night, which I presume is sold out. Chris, welcome to you. Great to have you on. Dwayne, thanks, mate. No, the camp was yesterday, and uh, he's speaking tonight. So we're at the Timber Yard setting up already and looking at a whole bunch of seats. Now, we're very, very close to sold out, but we've got a little bit more space. But... Uh, no, really exciting to have Dirk in town. He's loved Melbourne. His family's in town with him. And, you know, look, it was a crazy day yesterday with the camp. We'd never actually run one before. So we uh, we uh, we learned lots. But, look, everyone had a great time. Dirk was really generous with his time. And just, you know, I've just seen the look on kids' faces when he walks in and begins talking and shares some of his shooting tips. It's, no, it was just a really great morning. So what are we going to get tonight then? Is it uh, basketball, philosophy, shooting tips or is it uh, a more of a, a sport and how to attack sport kind of philosophy what kind of guy is Dirk? Yeah look for those of you who also plenty came and heard Luke Longley speak uh, last year when we did one of these and you know he'll be up on stage speaking with our MC for uh, probably 50 minutes or so and he'll have a little break and then we go to Q&A so we let the audience drive the conversation and we'll go about an hour for that so we, we love letting the audience drive it. We, we don't like dictating what Dirk speaks about. We certainly want him to be speaking about what the audience would like to know. So it's really, it's, a, it's an open format for the second half of the show. Uh, plenty of people get to, to speak to Dirk and ask the questions that perhaps they've wanted to for quite a long time. And, you know, everyone we do this with, they're, they're almost, actually, they're, they're almost exclusively more excited to do the Q&A at the end than they are... Uh, sit up on stage with an MC and, and, and go through some of the highlights of their career. So Australia is really prominent on the world basketball stage now, obviously, with so many stars from Australia in the NBA. And 
players that have come to Australia to refine their act and get back to the NBA. So, uh, Dirk, how, are you taking him to many NBL games? What's his thoughts on Australian basketball where it's at right now? You know what? He, he, he really enjoys coming down here. He's, he's already asked after Ryan Brockhoff, who he played with at the Dallas Mavericks, and Chris Golding, who he spent a couple of summers with working out in Dallas. And he knows a lot of the imports down here, and he keeps an eye on it, but probably not in depth uh, like a lot of people in the NBA would hope. But, no, look, he, he's seen enough basketball games, so he's certainly not going to get to an NBL game, unfortunately. But he'll get along to the Australian Open. He's a, he's a tennis fan, and he wanted to tick that grand slam off his bucket list. So we were fortunate we could coordinate this with his Australian Open experience. And, look, he'll, he's got his family here, so he'll disappear and go off the radar for, for a couple of weeks around Australia and uh, have a vacation while he's here. And, uh, no, look, we're, we're fortunate to have him in Melbourne this week and do a few things with him, and we'll head up to Sydney and do one next Wednesday night as well. Hey, while we're talking NBA, I think Josh Giddy's on the verge of maybe another triple-double as well. You're setting up at the Timber Yard, so you're probably not keeping across that. But uh, we've still got some stars doing some great stuff. The Nets could actually win the whole thing still. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch at the moment. You know what? I was in Madison Square Garden the last time Josh recorded a triple-double uh, against the Knicks, of course, and it was a really, really special moment. And he sort of threatens to do it so often, which is incredible for a 19-year-old kid. But he's, he's certainly, we, we can speak about it every time we chat, but he, he's the future of Australian basketball. I'll tell you what, outside of, uh, outside of Josh, it's just been incredible. I'm not sure how many people have followed it, but Joe Ingles tore his ACL last year and managed to come back and play his first game for the Milwaukee Bucks about a month ago. And he's just starting to find form. 17 points, I think five rebounds, five assists last night was instrumental in their win. Uh, against the New York Knicks as well. Actually, it's great to see Joe Ingles back. Paddy Mills, you know, rarely finding court time in the moment, so he may find himself somewhere else, um, which mm. might be a good move to him. But, uh, no, look, just to be able to speak of 10 Aussies at the, in the NBA at any given time, it's, as you said, it's just an incredible era of Australian basketball. And Ben's sort of turned a corner, Ben Simmons, a bit. He has. He's been on the court and just the consistency of being able to put his jersey on and play game after game and find a rhythm and, and evolve into his role with superstars like Kyrie Irving and ben, uh, and uh, Kevin Durant has been incredible. Um, I think everybody wants him to do well. And, you know, the tennis is on at the moment. I think a lot of people have come, on, have come around and are hoping Nick Kyrgios does well. I think Ben Simmons is almost... The Nick Kyrgios of Australian basketball where he's got a lot of people offside, but I think he's turned the corner and there are a lot of people out there who want him to do well. And he's going to have an opportunity because Kevin Durant, we're not sure how bad his knee injury is, but he could miss for a little while. So you would expect there to be even more responsibility placed on Ben's shoulders. And I'm glad he's had a clear run at it for the last couple of months. So he should be prepared. Who is your favourite to win the NBA? Because a couple of the, well, the Lakers can't win it. Golden State's struggling. What are they, 20 and 20? Right now, the Celtics are top of the pops, 29 and 12. But the Bucks are flying. The, the Nuggets, Memphis. The Suns are struggling a bit, 220 and 21. Their record, who's your favourite? You know, every time I make a pick or think I've got it <laughs> figured out, they go and lose four or five in a row, which, you know, I thought the Celtics were playing as well as anyone there, but then they tried to reintegrate Robert Williams back into the, into the lineup, and they dumped five in a row and a couple of bad ones. Milwaukee still haven't had a full lineup all year, so I'd probably have to say those two in the East still. I think the Brooklyn Nets, as you mentioned, they've won 18 of their last 20, and they're playing fantastic. But 
I just don't think they've got that championship DNA that, that some of those other teams have when the pressure's really applied. They've got as much talent as anyone. Uh, they probably don't defend as well or yeah, gel as well as a group of some of those other teams uh, that they're going to be up against in a seven-game series. But in the West, you're right, I like Denver. Uh, Nikola Jokic is incredible again. He's possibly the best player in basketball at the moment and in, and in a lot of purest eyes, the most fun to watch. The West is wide open. Memphis is second in the West. They could do something. I still think the Warriors, when I mean, they're, they're 500, as you mentioned, but Steph Curry's out, and they've sort of kept their noses above water during that time. So, look, he'll come back and change everything. And They won the championship last year from the clouds. I think they finished in the, the bottom half of the Western playoff race, but they can beat anyone on the day. They know how to win when it matters, and I don't think we can write them off. So outside of Steph, um, in terms of MVP contenders, you've you got Luka Doncic, you've got Nikola Jokic, as you mentioned, Giannis is still a contender. Who's the best player right now that's getting on the court? Yeah, well, it's interesting, and you'd probably add Joel Embiid to that list with how well he's playing this season. Many have Jason Tatum on that list, although I think he's a little bit off the absolute top few, but you know what? Nikola Jokic, I think, had the best season, but I'm not sure if the voters will shy away from awarding it to him for a third year in a row. Uh, I know a lot of people probably wanted Joel Embiid to win it last year, so he will be a chance. Luka Doncic has put up some incredible individual games, but if Dallas don't find a way to probably finish in the top four in the West, that might count against him. I, I really don't know. I haven't seen an MVP race this open in a long, long time. So the NBL right now, Perth defeated New Zealand last night, I think 26 point last quarter to New Zealand's 18, outscored them by eight and won by three, although they were five in front with about a second left. So um, they, were, they came from the clouds and a big last quarter. Sydney's still the team to beat, but outside of Sydney, it's, it's fairly even. It really is. Um, Perth are finding their feet under John Rilly. I, I still would love to see the South East Melbourne Phoenix get a clear run at it with injuries. I think they're with a full squad, I'd almost think they're Sydney's biggest challenger, but I guess haven't been able to get a full squad on the floor pretty much in their entire existence. And they sat second and third on the ladder for a while this season. And again, injuries hit, but they'll, they'll bring players back. And I think they'll be a contender once they've got a full roster. New Zealand and Tams have been absolutely incredible this year. I just don't think they're going to find their way to the top of the ladder first, go and win the thing. Uh, a little bit like Tasmania last year, I thought then getting to the championship was incredible, but it was just one step too many. So I, I tend to think that could be Cairns and New Zealand. And it's it's not Sydney's championship to lose, but in my mind, they're a clear favourite. And the biggest threats will probably come from the teams who have playoff and championship, championship experience in their playing group. And we've had great moments and times of NBL through history, but it seems like depth is sort of providing a lot of people with the fodder to say, right now, this is the very best era we've had? It's certainly the most widely viewed and the, the most interactive the league's been. And, you know, it's always you get us old guys on the phone and chatting mm. on the radio, and we'll always say that we could have beaten the teams that they yep. put out on the floor now. And we, we all still believe that, but not as many people watch. And I think it's, there are two completely different conversations. I think the level of talent's incredible. Uh, I think the number of people who've got eyes on are incredible. And I think the absolute top end, you know, we haven't seen the depth across that top end of talent across the league in 
in quite a while, and, and that's just reflected by the NBA guys we get here every game, uh, by the number of NBA people. You know, I was just in the United States for six weeks, and they all know exactly what's going on in the league, and they only know that because it is one of the best leagues in the world right now. Great to have you, Chris. Good luck tonight. Let's hope you get that uh, full house that you're looking for. And if you want to pick up a ticket uh, or if you're in Sydney listening to this show, can people pick up a ticket? Where can they go? Yeah, the easiest way is to just follow your nose, chrisanstey.com.au. You'll, you'll find the events link and jump on there. There, is, there are still a few left and uh, we'd love to see as many people as possible. chrisanstey.com.au. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Wayne. The one and only, the great... Chris Anstey joining us as he does on a regular basis. A couple of texts, a couple of calls, one 736 straight after this break. Still plenty to come after the 2 o'clock news. We're going to have a chat to Wes Agar. He might even join us before. He's headed to the airport now after the Adelaide Strikers had another good win last night. Plenty of cricket still to come with Annabelle Sutherland to join us after 2 o'clock. But a few of your calls, if you'd like to jump on the line, one 736 you're with Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Thanks to all of you who've taken the time to dial the number for a little bit of midday madness today. Wes Agar has been good enough to join us. I think he might be at the airport. Been a pretty busy schedule for those that are firing in the BBL, but boys have been fun to watch. And he joins us on the line. Welcome to you, Wes. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, sitting at the airport at the moment, ready to fly to Melbourne. So looking forward to it. And it was hard to take your eyes off it last night, especially when you guys had the bat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're in some great form with the bat. We've got Shorty coming off his 100, um, smacking him up top. And then obviously Chris Lynn doing what he's done since the start of the Big Dash. Um, to see his form again is awesome. So we're, we're in some hot form at the moment. He's in some hot form as well. 69 not out. He's had scores of, what, 87 and 64 as well? Yeah, I think I saw a stat the other day. It's the second most runs he's ever scored in a big bash season this year. So just goes to show um, how good of a player he is and, and the longevity that he has in the game. You're bowling well as well. A couple of crucial wickets last night. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good with the ball. Um, 2020 is a game where... You can get smacked around the park in the next game. You can come out and take two wickets for not many. So I'm just trying to stay positive, stick to my strengths, and I'm really grateful that it worked worked last night. So when do you when you go with a slow ball? Is that just gut feel, or are the analytics telling you what to bowl to which batter, and you kind of stick to that? How are you you reading it when you go for your variations? Yeah, we we had a chat about um, the Hurricanes game where they obviously got a big score and what we thought might have worked. Um, and we, we discussed that, that slower balls and, and taking the pace off the ball was important on a wicket that was flat and to make the batters create the pace on the ball. Um, but we also spoke about being proactive with it and not reacting after they've got away to a hot start. So my plan was to go into the game and, and really utilise those balls, and um, thankfully it worked. So you've got a couple of handy players that are presuming they're going to be back in the team, Travis Head and Alice Carey. Are you going to squeeze them in? Oh, how exciting. Of course we're going to squeeze them in. I think if we even had oh, an Australian lineup, we'd still squeeze them in. They're, um, they're awesome players, awesome teammates. Um, Hetty, obviously, when he comes in, captains the side and has a great cricket brain, and it's even better now after his experience in the Australian um, setup. So he's uh, smacking with the bat even in test level. He's making runs that would do, and with a 
off the amount of balls that would be good in T20 cricket. So he's uh, in some hot form and we can't wait to see it come out for the Strikers. Yeah, it's been amazing, hasn't it? I mean, he's almost used the tests as a warm-up for his big bash games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that, that, that's Travis. I think that shows um, his maturity and his understanding of his game. He can go into test cricket, the pinnacle of, of the game we play, and play it the way he wants. Um, and it's it's actually a really big thing to be able to go and do that. And it's something that demands a lot of respect from the players because you can easily fall, fall to criticism and, and play that way and get out cheaply. Um, and then tend to go another way. But he's stuck to his guns and it's paying off. And I think you get rewarded even better when that happens. Talking to Wes Agar from the Adelaide Strikers. you got the Stars, MCG, uh, I think it's tomorrow. It is tomorrow night, isn't it? you got the Stars, yeah. MCG. Um, they're struggling a bit, but does the ladder position really matter right now, given that it is fairly even? If you get it wrong on any given night, you lose? Yeah, there's, we've still got some good teams to go and, and the Stars are, are a powerful outfit. I know they probably haven't fired yet and that's maybe their danger. They've got really nothing to lose at the moment. They've got um, Adam Zampa, who's the a gun Australian bowler. Um, they've got great players in their lineup, So it's going to be a challenge and, and we don't take any game lightly, but we know it's a really important game to try and step on a team if, if they're a bit down or try and, and beat them when they're down because we know we've got the Sydney Sixers and Perth Scorchers who are on fire and always being guns. So to win these games are really important going into the back end of the season. And a home game for you or are you a, a South Australian now? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a South Australian now. Um, but I'm really excited to, to play in front of my family and friends. I know they are game, game, give me so much support always and, and it's rare that they get to see me play these days now that I'm in South Australia. So... I'm really looking forward to playing in front of them, but uh, Adelaide's home. People have been too harsh on your brother for the SCG performance, do you think? It's good to have Ashton back in, and he's heading to India. Squad was announced yesterday, but uh, he couldn't quite get his mojo going. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's been very harsh. Um, I thought he bowled actually quite well. Um, I think it's easy to fall in, fall into the feeling of you expect everyone to be Nathan Lyon. Um People take time to develop in the game. Um, he's only played a certain amount of test cricket um, and he's coming straight off 2020 cricket. Um, he's got so much skill. The wickets are different in India and you've got to remember that he's supporting Nathan Lyon. He's not Nathan Lyon. And I'm sure um, he got picked in the squad today and um, we're really proud of him. And if he gets his chance over there, he'll, he'll be fine. He's a very relaxed character. But yeah, I think sometimes the media are quick to judge and um, hopefully he can prove them wrong. I'll take that as a note myself, uh, not to be so quick to judge. Wes, great to have you on the show. You, you got your boarding call yet? Are you ready to load up and head over here? Yeah, I think it's uh, 15 minutes away. So um, right. get the bag pack, get the tickets ready and, and head on over. You uh, Are you a smorgasbord guy at the airport or do you stay away? Oh, no, I'll stay away. Keep myself, put the headphones in. <laughs> I'll let you stay away from the food. You're better than I if you can do that. Great to have you, Wes. Congratulations on your form, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much for having me on. Wes Agar joining us from the Adelaide Strikers, who are firing at the moment, but it is pretty tight in the middle, and that should be a ripper tomorrow night. Stars are struggling, but yeah, every night's had something immensely watchable about it, and last night it was pretty much the Chris Lynn show, as it has been for a few of the Big Bash games. Take a couple of your calls. 
1-300-736-736. We need a break for news shortly. Obviously, we'll talk some more cricket with Annabelle Sutherland, given the women's T20 squad has been announced for the World Cup in South Africa. So Annabelle is going to join us after the news. The quiz still to come after the news as well. So if you want to join us for Maccas, uh, we'll look forward to calling for calls probably about 20 past two. We're giving you and a mate the chance to win a trip to Delhi for the second test, India v Australia in February. All thanks to Maccas, all you have to do is be crowned the last fan standing and we'll give you a chance to be the last fan standing from today's show. A couple of texts that have come through as we wind our way to the news. Uh, a couple not that praiseworthy of Alex Diminor, even though I enjoyed chatting to him yesterday. Rather watch grass grow than Diminor. Not everyone's into their tennis, and I get that as well. Uh, Dwayne, the days of enjoyable day nights at the footy and cricket might be gone. Too much emphasis on loud music, shock jocks on microphones, and constant advertising have worn me down. Sad times for a 65-year-old. That's from uh, Gray. Thanks for your text, Gray, and I'll get it because a lot of people are kind of saying the same uh, about modern sport. Why do we have to have so many interactions? Why do we have to have loudspeaker music? Why do we have to have people on microphones screaming at us during breaks? I get that. Sometimes it's better off just sitting with your family and having a discussion rather than hearing other people overwhelm you with their voice. Uh, Pipe, you're not afraid to ask the difficult questions. Can't wait for your Prince Harry interview. Um, One of the beautiful things about doing a sports show is that I don't have to talk about things like the current stuff that's dominating the media like Prince Harry. Back with more of your calls and your texts. More calls on the Werribee Kia open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. We'll find a Dwayne's World T-shirt or two for you if you want to join us straight after the 2 o'clock news. I'll catch you after the break. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World and for Midday Madness. We will sneak in a call or, or two if you want to jump on the line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Magic Millions racing on the Gold Coast. You probably couldn't get a better promo. Oh, look, luckily, no one was hurt, and that's the great thing. But the Magic Millions promotion on the Gold Coast beach when a couple of horses got free. So uh, there was a kerfuffle. It ended up being front-page news. On the Gold Coast, uh, no one, as I mentioned, was injured, which is great, but uh, it could have been a lot worse than it was. But in the end, it provided some pretty good publicity. Gareth Hall is going to join us from the Magic Millions on the Gold Coast to tell us the repercussions of it and what's been going on up there. There's been some pretty big numbers paid for some racing stock. So he's going to join us. Annabelle Sutherland also to have a chat to us as well later on about their T20 squad named for the Australian women to head to South Africa. And if you didn't hear the test squad that's been announced for the four-test series in India, 18-man squad for India, I haven't read it out during the course of my show, even though Jules read it out a few hours ago. Pat Cummins, Ashton Agar, Scott Boland, Alice Carey, Cam Green, hopefully will be fit for the opening test. Josh Hazelwood, Peter Hamscombe, Travis Head, Usman Khawaja, Manus Labuschagne, Nathan Lyon, Lance Morris, Let's hope he gets a chance to debut at some stage. Todd Murphy has been announced as being part of the squad. Matt Renshaw, Steve Smith, Mitch Stark, uh, Mitch Swepson and Dave Warner. Mitch Stark not available for the first test, but uh, hopefully will be fine after the first test. So essentially they've taken or four spinners. So Ashton Agar, 
and Nathan Lyon were selected as expected. It was just depending on who else they would take. There was a thought that Mitch Webson was the next in line. He's being taken as well. And Todd Murphy has got the gig. Plus, they've got a couple of part-timers that can roll the arm over if they want. Travis Head, uh, Manus Labuschagne got it to move a bit in Sydney, even though it was a little bit late. Um, and Steve Smith can bowl a bit. So they've taken a pretty big squad. Raf in Meadow Heights wants to talk about uh, a couple of things that have been floating around. Raf, welcome to you. Dwayne, how you going, buddy? Yeah, good, thanks. What do you got for us? Mate, on your news bulletin, it said that uh, New South Wales won the best three in Australia. I want to know what makes up the best three. Is it the trees? Is it the houses? Can you please help me, Dwayne? Uh, well, which particular street was the best street? I'm not sure what they... Oh, maybe there's, there's no litter. Maybe everyone's got their hedges pruned. I'm not sure, Raf. Give me your parameters for, for best street and uh, we'll f- find out if they line up with everybody else's on the text machine. 0433981116. If you were judging best street, what would you go on? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, pretty trees, I guess. I've got no idea. They're all roads. And I guess maybe expensive houses. <laughs> How's that one sound? Expensive houses, yeah. Although where I grew up from, sometimes you marvelled at the the ancient car bodies in the front yard that had lawn growing around them, and you'd think, "Wow, look at that old Zephyr uh, sitting." So maybe it's the the beauty of the antique car bodies that are in the front yard with grass growing around them. What makes a great Australian street? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If uh, you'd like to join us. Um, Gareth Hall's about to join us in a matter of a second, so we'll head to Gareth, but send through your text, 0433981116. Speaking of text, a couple have come through. Uh, spot on by that last caller. We no longer go to the footy because of all the extra rubbish, in particular the ridic- ridiculously loud music and other garbage that goes along with it. Too much unnecessary American garbage. That's from Sean, and there's a lot of people in your boat, Sean. So that previous texter has struck a nerve. And Hydwine, Adelaide and the Giants, have not recovered since being smashed in a grand final. James in Mordialic. And, yeah, I would argue that the 2007 demolition job that Geelong did on Port Adelaide knocked them around for a long time. So what it's going to do to the Sydney Swans, we don't know yet. Lance Franklin's going to be a year older. How many games has he got in him and goals has he got in him this season? Uh, That's the issue. So we'll have to keep an eye on that with the Sydney Swans as well. Um, together with Maccas, we're giving you and a mate the chance to win a trip to Delhi for the second test, Australia v India in Feb, all thanks to Maccas. So the last fan standing quiz is going to happen in about 10 or 15 minutes. So get yourself ready. It's a cricket quiz, obviously. So a heap of quick cricket questions will be throwing your way. Lost in the Wash, also not far away. So join us for Lost in the Wash a little bit later on. And one here thanking Chris Anstey for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for having Chris Anstey. Looking forward to the Dirk Nowitzki event. That's from Ryan in Cheltenham. Gareth Hall's been good enough to join me, SEN track host. It was one of the great promos in the end for the Gold Coast Millions, um, even though a couple of horses did get away. Gareth, welcome to you. Great to have you on. Gay Dwayne, great to be on, mate. Yeah, it was an interesting day yesterday for the barrier draw for the two-year-old Classic and also the three-year-old Guineas on the beach front there at Surface Paradise because... Um, there wasn't too many people really aware that a couple of the thoroughbreds, they have beach races there. It's a tradition now. Um, each Tuesday during the, the carnival, that they have the, the leading jockeys in the country gallop these horses down the beachfront. But um, a couple escaped their riders yesterday, which made for um, pretty interesting discussions um, after that all happened. But thankfully, the horses 
um, uh, were caught and uh, nothing wrong with them and they returned back to their stables after that. So your horses are the priority. I like it, Gareth. Um, what about the jockeys that fell off them? How are they? Oh, they're in the they're on the beach. They're in the water. Um, <laughs> so they went for a bit of a swim. I think um, uh, their ego got bruised a little bit, but that's about all, mate. Um, so I think they went trying to chase those horses, but those horses galloped away and um, strolled through the streets of Surface Paradise. But um, yeah, once they were they were caught, um, yeah, they went and had a drink and, and headed back home. So were you there? Did you see? I mean, yep. surely, was it mayhem when the horses were just crossing the street? So I was on air at the time doing Giddy Up and on SEN track, and um, Jane Hawks, Wayne Hawks' beautiful wife, came up and said, Gareth, do you know that there's a couple of these horses have escaped? And then a few people came up to me, um, and I didn't know what was really going on, and then she showed me some footage from her phone, um, not as the, the, the rider's, um, falling off, but those horses escaping. So they were basically in the water, and then they run across to the beach and um, up onto the footpath and then through the street. So um, not many people found out. And Hamish McLaughlin, of course, from Channel 7, he was um, the MC for the barrier draw and hosting proceedings there. And then he came and joined me after he finished his work, and I told him, and he, he couldn't believe it either. So he didn't know. So they kept it under wraps pretty well. Um, until obviously word got out, but um, yeah, there was usually you would imagine there would be a little bit of panic um, if a couple of horses got loose. But I don't think people really knew that unless you were there um, on the scene watching those horses um, finish off their gallop that they had actually um, um, escaped from their rider. But yeah, it was <laughs> I'm glad no one got hurt. The horses didn't get hurt, but um, yeah, it, it was an interesting half an hour or so. And I'm sure I got you a couple of front pages, so uh, it's at least let everybody know about the Magic Millions. And the sales are going to bring some pretty big numbers, or have brought some pretty big numbers, I'm told. Yeah, they, they had um, a terrific day yesterday. $36 million and $600,000. billion um, basically was spent by um, investors yesterday, the way, which is quite extraordinary. Wow. These sales continue to get... Um, bigger each each year, and the average was around two hundred and seventy thousand. Wayne Hawks and John Hawks and Michael Hawks, they spent one point six five million dollars on a on a colt um, by Invincible out of their Golden Slipper winner Moss Fun. So he was the highest price yielding at yesterday's sale. But um, there'll be a host of horses that surpass that magic million dollar barrier over the next four or five days here on the Gold Coast. So. Um, it's just astonishing, the, the money that is spent here um, with people trying to buy their dream, trying to find their next champion. Um, yeah, and they do it really well. Jerry Harvey and uh, um, the team there at Magic Millions, it, it's not just about the sales or the, the big race meeting. There's $30 million up for, up for grabs there on their race day on Saturday, but it's a celebration of the thoroughbred, and it's one of the, the, the best, biggest equine carnivals now in the world because... It's not just about the, the, the races. It's, uh, they've got the, the polo on the Sunday. They've got a $1.5 million show jumping competition, which is only eligible to thoroughbred. So just proves that it's not just horses um, uh, are bought here, not just for racing, but they've got careers after that they finish off their racing careers. So what are the rich and famous that want to be in the mounting yard and uh, swanning around in the winner's circle during... Cup week. Uh, what are they after these days? Are they after a cup 
winner, a distance runner? Are they after a Cox Plate winner? Are they after something that's quick, something that can take overseas? Well, here at these sales, we're... Australia is known for producing the best sprinters. So, for instance, that colt that was sold for $1.65 million yesterday um, from Team Hawks, they basically want to win next year's Magic Millions two-year-old classic with $3 million and then win the Golden Slipper. So they're sprinters. Um, it's a quick turnaround. So you purchase mm. them in January and they're nearly ready to race maybe at the end of the year um, because they turn to at the start of August. So... Um, that's the plan for the majority of these horses. But you've had horses that have been, um, that have won a, a VRC derby recently, like a horse like a Totsu. Um, so there's horses that um, can win middle distance races, um, but mainly they're here um, for their, their sprinting capabilities. So we, we breed the best, best sprinters in, in the world. And then most of the other, like the Melbourne Cup horses these days are being purchased um, over in Europe because they produce the best days. But our, our staying um, quality in this country is improving. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're producing the best sprinters at the world. So, basically, we're, we're looking for... You know, they're looking for two-year-olds so they can win a golden slipper next year. So, how much guesswork, Senator Gareth? You're in the business. Uh, you're SEN track host. And how much guesswork is in the breeding? I mean... Some families are like the Selwoods in racing, I presume. A, a family of horses might have three or four really good ones that are brothers, but um, there, there's quite a few that have been across the world of sport that have been superstar yeah. sports people whose brothers and sisters haven't been that good. Yeah, well, racing's full of those stories. Like Nature Strip, the best sprinter in the world, he was no one really wanted him. Um, they were nearly basically giving him away. Um, when he kicked off his career, horses like through these sales that were at a bargain price um, that come to mind. Alligator Blood, he was only purchased for $55,000. Um, he won a Magic Millions. He won two Group 1s last season. So, um, And I think last year and this year in the, the two-year-old classic, a lot of the horses, at least half the field, are under $150,000. Mm. There's some horses purchased for $2,000 in the winter sale um, mm. that... Uh, perform better than the horses purchased for half a million, 600,000. So um, you don't know. It's a bit like going to um, the draft there in a way. So you've got like a, a Jordan Degoe that didn't really yep. come on later on in, in his teenage years. Um, so these yearlings can be purchased from here and then they just develop in three or four months and they turn the corner pretty quickly. So it, it's, a, it's a guessing game. Um, there is a little bit of skill choosing these yearlings, but you don't know how big their heart is. And you don't know how much they want to win. So until they can talk, um, we're in a little bit of trouble. You do need a lot of luck, basically. And before I let you go, are we ever going to live in a world where Sydney and Melbourne's racing uh, hierarchy work together or are they going to be at each other for the next however many springs in our lifetime? I don't know. Well, as long as Peter Volandi is the, the boss of racing <laughs> New South Wales, he'll be wanting to make sure that New South Wales is the best state Um in Australia and Victoria, um, the same. So I think it worked okay last year. I thought that some of the race meetings, like uh, on Derby Day, I didn't mind the Golden Eagle on the same day as Derby Day. And, and I'm one of those that really enjoy the um, Everest on the same day as the Caulfield Cup. You packed out Caulfield um, last year for the Cup and there was 40,000 people um, at Randwick. So I think even though there is a rivalry between the two states, the last 12 months, I think it's been great for racing. 
Um, and if you've got packed houses in Sydney and in Melbourne on the same day watching this wonderful sport, I think it's a positive um, for mine. So, um, yeah, I don't mind the rivalry. It keeps everybody honest. What's the best track to attend, Gareth, uh, in the middle of their sort of peak race period? Is Ramwick better than Flemington or the Valley? They've all got their own charm, the way it's... Mooney Valley, there's something special at the Coliseum there, when, especially on Cox Plate Day because you're on top of those horses. And some of Australia's greatest sporting moments have been at the Valley. Um, there's nothing like walking. It's like walking to the MCG when you go to Flemington headquarters for racing in this country. Randwick's got that special um, romance about it as well. And even when you go to Perth and Ascot, um, when they fill out that place and William Pike is in a difficult position and half of the crowd there have got their money on him to get them out of trouble. And when he bursts through the centre in that roar, um, there's no better roar than racing. So I think it's the, even in, in a, at, a, at a bush track, um, when they pack out the place at a picnic race meeting, um, um, there's, a, there's a great vibe. So it's, I think it's just a personal preference. For mine, I, I think there's nothing like Flemington on, on a big day like a derby day. It's a special place. And what's got the best party, Gareth? If you didn't even want to watch a horse go around? Um, the best part, that's a great question. Mooney Valley's pretty good. I like going out to a few of the country race meetings, like um, you head to a country cup or even a picnic race meeting where everybody enjoys themselves. And um, the beers are $5 and the hot dogs are $4. Away. That's my, my, my cup of tea. Um, you have a good day out. and um, Yeah, so I enjoy getting out to the country areas, mate. But um, if you're winning, the party's good. doesn't matter what track. Yeah, you're preaching to the converted there. I think I've been to about the last 30 Geelong Cups. <laughs> you're, and, in the uh, bird cage. you're in the birdcage and up in the committee room. You're going to come out with us um, battlers there, and I'll, um, I'll tell you the races, mate. We'll have, some, we'll have a good time. Hey, I've done it hard in the public ses- section at the Valley many a time, Gareth. When, and I've been in the cab queue after the last <laughs> when you wait two and a half hours for a cab. Don't worry, I've done it hard, uh, Gareth. So I deserve to be, um, you know, in the... In the, well, not the committee room. Uh, I deserve to have a stool every now and then. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you well, what, Geelong, Cup, Geelong Cup's a ripper. And Yarra Valley, one of the most picturesque race courses in Victoria yeah. as well. So there's some beautiful picturesque courses as well. And everybody, you're from Geelong. Everyone loves their hometown cup. And we were at Geelong doing um, our show there um, last Geelong Cup meeting. It was great just to have crowds back. 15,000 people there. And um, um, the cotton on marquee was pumping yep. and um, yeah, people in Geelong love it and you're calling Friday Night Football um, you're the biggest name, one of the biggest names on SEN so every time you go to the races just call Hutchie and he'll, he'll deliver a helicopter for you, for you mate <laughs> and um, away you go Well they took my local race course off me Cheltenham was my home, that's where I grew up so uh, they took that off me unfortunately Hey Gareth, great to have a chat to you um, I'll let you get you, back mate. to the frivolities up there you, you ever been to Cheltenham? When it was in its no, I glory? No, actually. It was, a little, it was a little bit before my time, mate, um, in Adelaide. But, um, yeah, I, I think I've seen some videos of it, and they tell me that they should have never sold it in South Australia. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I missed that, unfortunately. And you're talking about food. The pasty on the way out at Cheltenham, yeah. you always kept a dollar, regardless of how much you lost. You made sure you kept the dollar for the pasty, which was steaming hot. It had no yep. meat or vegetable in it at all. <laughs> it was just a flat pastry, but boy, were they good. That's, <laughs> a good. that's a good question for your audience. When they go to a racetrack or even to their local football club, um, what's the best canteen going around? Um, 
Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. When I was at Mildura, the salad sandwiches were beautiful there. Um, the, the ladies um, delivered some of the, the most beautiful ham and salad um, salad rolls, and I would just go to the races just to get one of those salad rolls. So, yeah, um, everybody loves their local race club, and, um, yeah, the food's usually terrific, mate. And Team Hawks just walked past, and they've got a little bit left in that $1.65 million <laughs> cult. They asked if you're interested. Uh, I'll tell them to give me a couple. <laughs> yeah, all right, then. We'll give you 5 or 10% you can afford 200000 like it. Um, pocket money. Yeah, not quite. Uh, thanks for the offer, but uh, I'll say no. Gareth, thanks for joining us. Gareth Hall, SEN track thanks. host, joining us from the Magic Millions. Uh, what is the best race course in Australia to go to for the picturesque nature of it, the party? Um, I do miss Cheltenham, to be honest. It is, was one of the great courses uh, in Australia, but uh, I tell you what, the Yarra Valley... Um, hanging Rock, there's some rippers in Victoria as well. Need to take a break. I'll read a few of your texts out if you want to join me on that on the text, 0433981116, or you want to call in on 300-736-736, and we'll take a few of your calls. But the Macca's quiz is next. So if you want to jump on that open line, you're a chance to win the last man standing quiz for today. 1-300-736-736 is the open line number. 1-300-736-736. Last fan standing quiz next. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Last fan standing, thanks to Mackers. Last fan standing quiz time. Huge prize up for grabs. We're giving you the chance, you and a friend, to head to India. All thanks to Mackers, great supporters of this program and this station, Mackers. So the last fan standing quiz for Mackers is about to... Hit us, Ryan, James, Wild, jump on the line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, And if you are the last fan standing, you answer question 11 correctly, then you will go into the draw to be our last fan standing at the end. But you have to, to keep your answers correct. Otherwise, you are out and we'll go to the next caller. Ryan in Bankshire Grove, you're first up with question one. Welcome to you, Ryan. Good morning, how are you going? I'm good, I'm good. So, question one. Who was named player of the series against South Africa in their just completed test series against Australia, against um, South Africa, Australia? Uh, Davey Warner. Correct. In the Sydney test, Steve Smith scored 100 number what for Australia? 30. Nice work. Who is the leading run scorer of this year's BBL so far? He had a mention earlier on the program. Uh, Chris Lynn. Nice work. Name the top three wicket takers for Australia in Test cricket in order. Who are one, two, three in the wickets taken tally? Uh, one would be Warney. Yep. Uh, two, uh, Glenn McGrath. Yes. And three. Uh, Uh, nice call. I appreciate it. James in Macedon, who was number three on the list? Welcome to you, James. G'day. Uh, how about who? Nice work. Um, Alan Border, how many series wins did he have against the West Indies in his playing career? None, 
one or two? I'll go with zero. Nice work. Question six. Who did Alan Border take over from as the Australian Test Team captain? Kim who? Kim Hughes. Nice work. When did Australia last win a Test Series in India? 2000 and? 2004. Nice work. Who was the first player to reach 10,000 runs in Test Cricket? Um, Samuel Gavaskar. Gee, you're going well. Question number nine. Who holds the record for the highest test score for Australia? 380? Matthew Hayden. You're doing really, really well. Question 10. You've got to answer question 11, of course, to be the last man standing today. Which former, uh, in fact, uh, yes, which former Australian test and one-day international cricketer played 24 games of AFL football for St Kilda? Uh, James, question 11. Answer this. And you're today's last fan standing. Australia tops the ICC Test Cricket Championship standings. Who is second right now? Ooh. South Africa. Good try. While in Clayton, I didn't know the answer to this either. So, uh, lucky uh, quiz question writer did know the answer. Uh, while in Clayton, you're in the box seat, Wall. Uh, what was that question, Dwayne? Sorry. Australia tops the ICC Test Cricket Championship standings right now. Who is second on the ladder right now? India. Congratulations. You are our last fan standing today. Thanks to the good people at Backers. And you are still a contender to be able to head to India with us to go and watch a test, go to a sporty all that kind of stuff. You've got $1,000 spending money. Thanks to Mac is thrown in as well. It's a ripper prize. And you're our last fan standing today and a contender to be the last fan standing at the end of it and win the whole lot. Need a break for news? Great to have your company on Dwayne's World. Great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Annabelle Sutherland's going to talk some more cricket with us in about 10 or 15 minutes' time. So a couple of your calls in the meantime, one 736 is the open line number if you'd like to join me. one 736 the open line number. Thanks to Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. This hour brought to us by Tobin Brothers Funerals. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. And you can visit tobinbrothers.com.au and uh, read more information about the great things that Tobin Brothers Funerals do Tobin Brothers Funeral celebrating lives. By the way, that last fan standing prize that's on uh, offer, thanks to Maccas, flights for you and a mate to Delhi, five nights premium, five-star accommodation, not just any old accommodation, five-star, I'm told, attend a sports luncheon with Essien's commentary team, corporate hospitality at the cricket, and $1,000 in spending money, all thanks to Maccas, and there'll be another chance to win with summer breakfast tomorrow morning. And again, tomorrow with me for the last fan standing competition. Uh, contestants, I'm told, um, must be uh, get through to uh, get on the line. So A-Rod's entrusted with that. But had a pretty good list of contestants with the knowledge of cricket so far. So it's been a ripper. Annabelle Sullivan's still a few minutes away. So a couple of your texts and your calls 
Until then, a couple of nominations for what makes a great street. Um, Hydewine, great street for me, features well-mowed nature strips, neat and tidy gardens, well-maintained homes, can be in any suburb, preferable near public transport, such as a bus to train or tram station. That's from Susan. Uh, we're talking about what actually does go through the minds of those judging the best street in Australia competition. Uh, pipe. Uh, the pastries coming out of Thebit and Oval back in the 80s were superb after Torrens had another loss. P.S. Victoria Park was a gem of a race course, but Dan Dunkeld is a ripper. Simon from Mount Barker. Yeah, went to Victoria Park many times as a kid. I never won there, to be honest, so I never really liked it in the end, although what a beautiful track it was right in the heart of the city. It's essentially where the Grand Prix track was right in the heart of the city, but that is no more as well. Uh, best track camping ground at Oak Bank, long weekend. That's from Bo. Nice nomination, Bo, as well. Went to many in Oak Bank. Port Adelaide, in my SANFL days, played often Easter weekend on the Friday, Friday night, which allowed you to get along to Oak Bank, which was always great. Um, Dedarang Cup, uh, also a ripper. And great Aussie street um, kids playing cricket or footy makes for a great Aussie street. Uh, and I get that as well. One thing we talked about on the program yesterday that... Uh, I was going to play uh, that I didn't quite get around to was the fact that uh, our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, was talking about the redevelopment of the precinct for Tasmania. There's been a few texts come through today about Tasmania and whether Tasmania will get a chance to get an AFL licence handed to it, whether the AFL will stump up the money. I'll save that for tomorrow, the Anthony Albanese bit on the precinct. But he also, I thought, had a little bit of a sideswipe of the Gold Coast and the Giants' worth in the AFL competition in comparison to what Tasmania would add to the AFL competition. So um, I'll play a little bit of that tomorrow, given that uh, I might take some talk back off that as well. And we need to have a chat about, I'm going to have a chat to um, Annabelle about the fact that the women's IPL is about to be announced as to what's happening with the women's IPL. Women's cricketers can earn close to a million dollar contract in the IPL coming up, which is Going to be a huge change-up for women's sport. We've named our 15-player squad for uh, Pakistan T20s at North Sydney, um, Blundstone Arena and Manuka Oval as well, Jan 24, 26 and 29. And the World Cup is upon us in South Africa. We've got a pretty tough group as well. Um, but it is interesting that women's sport is about to explode. It's fantastic that it has exploded in the way it has. But... When you look at the explosion in international sport, something I want to open up the lines on tomorrow as well, is AFL might actually get left behind. Cristiano Ronaldo reportedly going to earn $620 million playing soccer in Saudi Arabia. The money is getting ridiculous, really, but it's real. That's what a soccer player of his calibre can earn right now. That's the international sports world we live in, and that's Saudi Arabia continuing to push for big sport, big events, and big names, just like we saw with those enormous amounts of money being paid to lure players to the live golf. The international golfers are now huge, earning huge dollars. The explosion of money in international sport as well, we consider Cam Green is going to earn $3 million with his IPL two-month contract. It's becoming massive. Um, in baseball, Aaron Judge, $360 million US contract as well. I think Matt Scherzer is on a three-year, $130 million deal. Aaron Rodgers in the NFL right now, $200 million US dollars for four years. So 17 games for $50 million a year 
plus endorsements. It's becoming huge, the money in international sports. There's been a lot of talk about whether AFL guys earn too much money for what they actually do, but I'm not sure we are paying them enough, to be honest, to be able to lure those 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids to be able to kick play in AFL when they've got a choice of other stuff. Uh, King Island Cup, great day out on New Year's. Brad, uh, another one coming through on the great courses of the world. Thanks to all of you who sent so many texts through today. The 40 Winks Temper Text, 0433 98 11 16. Keep your texts coming through, and I'll read a few more out as well. 40 Winks and Temper, consumer's choice winner. Temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. It's a great range, the Temper range. If you haven't Googled the Temper range, you can check it out online. Um, mattresses, pillows, a whole heap of bedding products, and it's great to have Temper. T E M P U R on board with Dwayne's World and SEN for 2023. Annabelle Sutherland, not ready for a sub break, and we'll talk some more cricket straight after this. Stick around, you with Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the program. Always great to have so many calls and texts coming through. Always great to have superstars of Australian sport come on the show. Annabelle Sutherland is one of them. It has been announced. It's going to be pretty big. Uh, World Cup group of Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh in Australia's side of the draw in South Africa. The T20 World Cup group that we're playing in. And the squad has been announced. It was announced yesterday. Annabelle Sutherland is part of it. And Annabelle's on the line. Welcome to you, Annabelle. Great to have you on. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's exciting times. I mean, women's cricket, women's sport in general, it's a, it's a boom time right now. Yeah, it is. It's, um, oh, it's a great, great time to be part of um, female sport and um, looking forward to what's ahead. It's a, it's a busy calendar, calendar coming up, starting with a series in, against Pakistan in Australia and then heading off pretty quickly to South Africa for the World Cup. So three big T20s, Jan 24, 26 and 29 against Pakistan. I think North Sydney Oval, Blunston and Manuka. So that's your preparation. Um, have you had, do, you, do you look deeply into the squad or the squad is the squad and you don't worry yourself about who's in the 15 or not? Um, oh, certainly um, pretty exciting for those who are picked. And um, yeah, there's a couple returning after a bit of a break with, um, with Georgia Wareham coming back from her ACL and obviously Meg as well returning to a couple of um, couple of faces returning, which is really cool to see. And um, yeah, looking forward to getting amongst the group in a couple of weeks' time. So, how big is Lex been going to be in South Africa? Do you think uh, you mentioned Georgia returning? Oh uh, yeah, I think it'll be. I mean, spin as always plays a pretty important part in in the T Twenty game, particularly through that that middle period of the innings. So um, yeah, hopefully. Georgia and, and Alana as well with, with her leggies can, can play a part for us. And Alyssa is over the calf problem, which is great news. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, she's a she's a pretty key member of our side and, um, yeah, I guess a, a leader as well. So, um, yeah, one that I'm sure will um, provide a, a lot for us up, up the top of the order and behind the stumps as well. Bit of a pressure on you because uh, winning World Cups is what Australia's cricket team of the female variety does? Uh, no, not really. I think um, we're, we've got a pretty good good self-belief within our side and um, we just we love playing together and, and any time we pull on pull on the Aussie shirt, we, we want to do as well as we can. And, um, yeah, we, we obviously have 
great self-belief and confidence in, in the team we put out. So, um, yeah, looking forward to, to the few games in Australia and, and getting together as a group before we um, yeah go across to, to South Africa. I was lucky enough to be alongside Rachel Haynes for the commentary at the SCG for the Sydney Test. And we're talking about Meg Lenning's captaincy and it's one of the longer captain's reigns in Australian cricket. So can you tell me what it's like playing with Meg? Oh, she's a superstar. She's um, She's got a wealth of experience and um, I think her, her knowledge on field, particularly as a bowler, as a younger bowler coming through, um, is... Yeah, it's it's super helpful knowing that knowing that she's out there and um, and I think yeah she's just a superstar who's yeah obviously gonna pretty keen to, to get back into it and I'm um, looking forward to to seeing what she can do. What's it been like growing up in a family that's so intense and and, and their love of sport is so big? Oh, it's um I absolutely love my my childhood growing up. I've got two brothers and um, a lot of it was spent in the backyard playing whatever whatever sport we could get our hands on. So, um, yeah, we, we all uh, yeah have supported each other growing up in, in whatever sport we've played. And, um, yeah, it's certainly a... Cricket is certainly a hot topic around the dinner table um, each night. And playing in India, is there a chance that... I mean, do you know what's going to happen with the T20 series in India, whether you're going to get to... Uh, playing the Premier League, what kind of Premier League uh, series we're going to get? Uh, I think uh, some of that information will be will be coming out soon. Um, but I think any chance you get to play in in an IPL or whatever that that sort of looks like is um, one that um, I think everyone's pretty keen to to sort of grab with both hands. So um, yeah, it's, it's a super exciting opportunity for for the sport, and um, yeah, great to see that. That um, the BCCI is um, yeah starting to put together a, an IPL for the women's game and, and continuing to, to push that and, and grow that in India. And I know you don't play for the money, but there's talk that some of the best female players in that are going to get a million bucks. Yeah, well, it's, it's exciting. and um, it's, it's certainly going to, um, as it has done for the men's game, it's, it's going to... It's going uh, yeah, to grow the, grow the women's game all around the world, which is exactly what we want. And, um, yeah, money that come, comes with that, I think, um, is exciting. And, um, yeah, it's, it's what women's sport deserves. Were you always going to be a cricketer, Annabelle, or were there other sports pulling you away in a different direction? Uh, I played footy growing up um, and was probably just a little bit early for the um, AFLW comp, which um, sort of came about a couple of years later than the WBBL. So um, I had my eyes pretty pretty set on um, cricket and yeah, it was a dream growing up to play for Australia. So to have been able to do that and then continue to put my hand up for, for selection um, is something I absolutely love and um, yeah, can't see my head turning at all really. Great to have you, Annabelle. Congratulations again on the career you're putting together. I appreciate you joining us on the show today and good luck in the, the three T20 series against Pakistan and then the World Cup in South Africa. Can't wait to have a chat next. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Annabelle Sutherland joining us. Uh, it's going to be huge and, yeah, the horizon is looking really good for women's sport and Australian 
female cricketers, which uh, is a delight to be able to report that kind of stuff. And the Indian IPL for the women announcement shouldn't be far away, and we'll find out what kind of numbers, what kind of competition we're going to get. We'll take a break. You with Dwayne's Wealth. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. It's been great to have your company today on Dwayne's World and so many calls coming through for Midday Madness. Thanks to all of you who took the time to dial the number, that Werribee Kia open line number. Put it in your phone. Join me tomorrow for Midday Madness and we'll take a heap of your calls as well. one 736 736 That number brought to us by Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. And the whole team's down there, David, Janan, Aid, Jim, they'd love to see you. If you're in the market for a new or used car, then drop down and see the team at Werribee Kia and tell them we sent you. Massive show coming tomorrow, so looking forward to your company midday tomorrow. It's all there on the podcast as well. If you want to have a listen back to any of the interviews we've done today, like our chat with Chris Anstey or the whole show in general, it's all there on the podcast. So download it and have a listen to the show in your own good time. But thanks for joining me today and I'll catch you tomorrow at midday.